From the K-Rob Collection, this is Audio Antiques, featuring programs from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson. Comic strips first began appearing in newspapers during the late 1800s. In most of the 20th century, there were at least 200 different comic strips and cartoon panels appearing in American newspapers every day. Many cartoon characters were adapted for radio, and a few remained popular. Blondie was created in 1930 by cartoonist Chick Young. In 1939, The Blondie Show appeared on radio and lasted until 1950. We'll hear an episode from 1940. Beetle Bailey and other characters were featured on The Comic Weekly Man Show. From 1947 to 1954, Lon Clark would read comics from the newspapers and perform all the male voices. We'll hear an episode from 1953. Archie Andrews was created by John Goldwater, Bob Montana, and Vic Bloom in 1941. Archie first appeared on radio in 1943. We have an episode from 1946. Archie was on radio through 1953. Panoramic lifestyle clothing. Hey, look alive! Everything lights up, makes you want to shout. Talk about happiness, that's what we're talking about. You'll look great in a panoramic lifestyle t-shirt. Nobody won't bring you happiness, but we know who will. Come on now, smile, get happy. Order your t-shirt today at plclothing.store. plclothing.store. Uh-uh-uh-uh, don't touch that dial. Listen to Blondie, brought to you by the makers of Camel Cigarettes. Extra, extra! For extra flavor, get Camel. Extra! For extra mildness and extra coolness, get Camel. Extra! For extra smoking for fact, get Camels, the cigarette that gives you the extras. Before we drop over to the Bumstead house to visit Chick Young's famous characters, Blondie and Dagwood, a word from the makers of Camel Cigarettes. Ladies and gentlemen, the story on Camel Cigarettes is short and to the point. Slow-burning camels give you the extras. Extra mildness, extra... Pardon me, Mr. Goodwin. Did you say extra mildness? Well, yes, camels are more than mild. You see, their slower way of burning means freedom from the drying and irritating qualities of excess heat and too fast burning means extra mildness. Camels also give you extra coolness, extra flavor, and extra smoking per pack. In recent impartial laboratory tests, camels burn 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest selling brands tested. Slower than any of them. And that means... Excuse me, Mr. Goodwin. That uh, extra smoking per pack... Oh, 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 I see. Camels burn 25% slower than the average, so... Yes, that's the figure, and that means a smoking plus equal on the average to five extra smokes per pack. Camels are the cigarette of costlier tobaccos. Penny for penny, camels are your best cigarette buy. And now for our weekly visit with the Bumsteads. Tonight, on the living room table, we find a pair of tickets that read... The J.C. Dithers Construction Company's annual get-together and social, dining, dancing, and mammoth entertainment at mid-one. It looks like the Bumsteads were going out for a big evening, but here comes Dagwood stumping out of the kitchen with one shoe in his hand. Dagwood, where on earth are you? Here I 
come on in. We'll have to hurry, dear. Did you find your other shoe? Yeah. Uh, it was in the tool chest uh, out in the kitchen. Oh, what on earth was it doing in there? Just lying there. Uh, I must have been a little absent-minded that time. What time? The time I couldn't find the tack hammer and use my shoe to tack down that little place in the linoleum. Oh, I never saw such a man using his good shoe to hammer tack. Just the heel, honey. It's my patent leather shoe, and I don't get to wear it much anyhow. Well, now that you've found it, why don't you put it on? I was going to, honey. I was just going upstairs to put it on. Uh, can't you put it on down here? I usually put on my shoes in our bedroom, and just because we're going out to that social, I'm not going to get all excited and try any new experiment. Oh, Dagwood, I'm uh, so glad you're wearing a black tie tonight. I'm wearing more than that. I'm wearing a stiff shirt. Of course, Dagwood, but black tie is a polite way of saying that it's kind of semi-formal and the men wear dinner coats. Oh, you mean tuxedos, mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, most of the guys had to rent theirs, and uh, they think Mr. Dithers is getting too high hat. Well, I guess if he gives everybody a free party, the least they can do is to dress properly for it. Now, hurry, Dagwood, yeah. and don't forget to put on your collar. Yeah. Hey, that reminds me. Where's my back collar button? Oh, it's in the little box in your top bureau drawer, the one with your clasp in it. No, nope. it isn't. I looked in there. Oh, company, just when we're going out. Now, I'll answer the door. You go hide. I mean, go upstairs and don't let anyone see you half-dressed. I can't get dressed till I find that collar button. Well, look in the medicine cabinet in the bathroom. In with my hairpin. It's not in there either. I look. Well, look in the shirt you're wearing. Oh, why, Mr. Dithers, come in. Uh, thanks. Hey, how did that get in here? Huh? Does he mean me? Oh, no, Mr. Dithers. He means his collar button. Was it in your shirt, Dagwood? He'll be right down. He ought to be right down at the hall now to welcome the talent. Oh, uh, is Dagwood on the entertainment committee? On it, he is it. Didn't he tell you? Why, no. But of course, Dagwood is so modest about what he does. You mean he forgot as usual. Well, I only I... appointed Dagwood the committee for entertainment because I thought you'd help him to pick out the vaudeville acts. Oh, are we going to have vaudeville? Well, I hope so. I gave him $300 to buy talent with. Well, I'm sure he'll have a wonderful show for that money. You're very generous, Mr. Dithers. A fool and his money are soon parted. I start out to have sandwiches and coffee down at the warehouse, and I end up by hiring a lodge hall, complete with a stage and dressing rooms, and a ten-piece band of music that I have to feed, along with 400 employees. Did you ever see musicians eat? No, but I suppose they do. Worse than a swarm of locusts. And that's not all. What else, Mr. Dithers? The actors. Actors never eat before a show. They wait till afterwards. And then how they eat. It must be very expensive, but it'll make a lot of goodwill. Then there's the guests, the mayor and the chief of police. Goodness, are they coming? Yeah, the mayor's coming to watch the show, and the chief's coming to keep his eye on the mayor. Two more big eaters. Well, uh, Dagwood and I could have a little something before we leave home. No, there won't be time. Just see that Dagwood doesn't beat the mayor to the table, that's all. Where is Dagwood? Oh, he'll be down any minute now. Uh, don't worry, Mr. Dithers. I know everything will be just wonderful. And I bet Dagwood's vaudeville show will have the audience laughing from start to finish. Yeah, <laughs> but I want to make sure they're laughing with us and not at us. Upstairs! Oh, no! <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, tonight, tonight. Well, I'm glad you realize it. That vaudeville show all lined up? Oh, sure. Uh, sure. I want to double-check you on that, Bob said. Uh, will you excuse me, Mr. Dithers? I want to be all ready to go when you and Dagwood get through your talk. Yeah, go ahead. Now, Bumstead, huh? tell me about those acts. Well, they, uh, they're perfectly good acts, but I, I want to surprise you. Now, listen, Bumstead, huh? this is no time to play peekaboo. I've got my reputation and $300 at stake here. Let's get down to brass tacks. Well, like I told you... Oh, Bumstead! Uh -huh. 
How many times must I tell you to save time and money by using business language in business matters? Don't say, like I told you. Say, as per our recent conversation. Now, wait. Here's our memos on the subject. Oh, oh yeah. Memo one. Uh-huh. From JCD to DB. Subject, fun and frolic. Text, in re our conversation of even dates, what have you done to provide entertainment for forthcoming social? I want something lively. Like an Earl Carroll show, only more dignified. You may spend 300 Well, I did. Memo two. From DB to JCD. Uh-huh. Subject, vaudeville. Text, Dear Mr. Dithers, listen, Mr. Dithers, I haven't done anything much yet because I've been busy, but there are lots of vaudeville actors around this town, and we'll get you up a show like a big-time vaudeville, only probably better as they're good and rested, and will be raring to go. Yeah, well, I... Memo number three, Uh, uh... JCD to DB. Oh. How is that show coming on? Memo number four, DB to JCD. What show? Memo number five, that vaudeville show, you dope. Yeah, uh... Refer to previous memos under the head Fun and Frolic and report at once what progress has been made. Well... Memo number six. Oh, that show. It'll be all right. That's all I could get out of you in nine more memos. Yeah, but in memo number 15... In number 15, uh, you say, don't worry, everything's all right. Yeah, uh-huh, it is. Now, listen. Huh? Have you or have you not lined up a vaudeville show as per your promise to me? Oh, sure, but uh, I can't tell you the names of the acts as per my promise to them. Well, there must be fine ads if they have to keep it a secret. Well, see, these people were big names, and if it got out that they were working for this kind of money... Well, what's the matter with my money? Well, there isn't much of it, uh, not for big names. Oh. Oh, they're really big names, eh? You bet. You'll be surprised. Oh. Well, listen, does, uh, does one of those names begin with a P? Huh? P.J.? Now, don't try to find out, Mr. Dithers. Well, I was just hoping one of them was a good blackface comedian, like Phil Jocelyn. Ever since I was a boy, I've liked blackface comedians. Oh, I wish I could tell you, Mr. Dithers, but I can't. Oh, I insist on knowing at least one of those acts, Bumstead. Oh, if I tell you one, you want to know them all. No, I promise. Just tell me the name of your headline oh, act. Well, okay, just that one. It's uh, uh, Sparkle. Uh, Sparkle? Sure, uh, Sparkle the Great. Oh, Sparkle the Great, eh? Uh-huh. What's he do? Well, he's a fire eater. Yeah, but listen, what? What? A fire eater? Uh-huh. Uh, what kind of a headliner is that? Every carnival for 20 years has had a fire eater. A fire eater wouldn't be a headliner on a dog and pony show. Who wants to see a fire eater? I do. Uh, you would. Well, if that's your feature act, the rest of the program must be a sad list. It is not. It's very high class. A lot of singing and all. Oh, singing, eh? Well, I like singing. Well, you like the whole thing. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's getting awfully late. Yeah, look at the time. Come on, Bumstead. we got to get down there. Oh, wait a minute. Dagwood, huh? have you been lying around in your dress clothes? Well, I was trying to think where my other shoe was, and I kind of stretched out on the couch a minute. And... So did Daisy. Huh? And now you're covered with dog hair. I'll have to brush you off. Well, I can't wait for any nonsense. I'm going. All I can say to you, Bumstead, uh, is you'd better get down there and get that show going on time. And it better be good. Oh, he can slam a door meaner than any man I ever saw. Now hold still, dear, while yeah. I brush you. Okay. Mr. Dither seems quite worried about the entertainment. That's what I know. Oh, he didn't even like Sparkle the Fire Eater. Well, he ought to know that you had to have some low-priced acts like that to fill out with. Why, sure, and then, uh, how's that? Uh, low price? Why, yes. Hold still while I get that sleeve. Yeah. Sparko didn't cost much, did he? Well, not much for a first-class fire eater. We, uh, settled for $100. <gasps> Dad! 
Dagwood, huh? you only had 300. Well, sure, that uh, that left me 200. Uh, well, I wish you'd let me help you do a little bargaining, Dagwood. Oh, it wouldn't have done any good. See, Sparko was retired from the fire-eating business and all. I had to coax him to make a comeback. Oh, he's an ex-fire-eater. Sure, and look at the money he loses when he closes his shop early. What shop is that, Dagwood? His barber shop. You mean Sparko is a barber? Certainly. <laughs> his real name is Tony, but he still eats fire as a hobby. Oh, turn around, dear, while I brush your back. <laughs> One time, Tony gave me a hair singe just by breathing on my neck. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, that must have been fun, dear. Now, what axe did you buy with the other $200 you had? Oh, I was lucky there, too. I guess you've heard of uh, Helda Skelter, haven't you? No, dear. Well, Helda Skelter was famous. Madam Helda Skelter, the Danish nightingale. High-class songs and Danish pastry and... Pastry? Well, that came later after she gave up most of her singing. She runs a bakery shop now. It's uh, Miss Stranders over on Main Street. Well, it takes you to find out things about people. I never knew that Miss Stranders could sing a note. Oh, sure. I got real chummy with her one day over a half a dozen Danish donuts. And uh, she got out her scrapbook and showed me her press notices. Uh-huh. <laughs> the notices said she was a fine singer. Well, then what's she doing making those Scandinavian waffles and things? A secret sorrow. Yeah. Am I all right? Yes, dear. Uh, Dagwood, huh? what secret sorrow? She didn't say, but it uh, drove her off the stage and she wound up in front of the oven. Oh, the poor woman. She must miss the excitement. Oh, the bakery shop isn't dull, she says. She's had a fight not to lose all her money. Oh, she was glad to get that $200. <gasps> Dagwood, huh? If you if you only had three hundred and you paid you paid it out for just two acts? Well, but they're good acts, honey. That isn't it, Dagwood. How are you going to pay the other acts? I haven't got any other acts to pay. You you mean that Mr. Dither's Mammoth Vaudeville show is uh, going to be only two acts? Well, both Sparko and Madame Helder said they had a lot of friends who might drop in and do something, and just for old times' sake. And might uh, drop in? Yeah, most likely they will. Most likely Mr. Dithers is going to raise the roof when he hears this. We'd better get down there as fast as we can, Dagwood. Come on. <laughs> Blondie, uh, we go right upstairs here. Oh, Dagwood, I don't hear any music or anything going on. No, but this is the place. Oh, look, look at that sign. Dither's employees get together this way. Yeah, oh, here's another sign, too. Come tonight and bring your girly, but be back on the job tomorrow early. <laughs> oh, look, there's huh? a big sign inside. It says J.C. Dither's Dinner, Dance, and Mammoth Entertainment. Yeah. Oh, look, there's Mr. Dithers kind of walking up and down. He's pacing like a caged lion, yeah. and he hasn't even heard about there being only two acts yet. I can't understand why there's no noise in there. Hey, maybe we're early. No, we're a little late. What's going on? Nothing's going on, that's what. There's 400 people in there staring at each other. The party's a flop before it begins. Where's that show you promised me? What? Didn't either of the acts show up yet? Huh? What do you mean, either of the acts? I mean, uh, uh, Sparko or Madame Helda Skelter. Oh, those two are in there, but what about... Oh, the... oh well, then it's okay. <laughs> huh? Um, I'm afraid, Mr. Dithers, that those two acts are the, uh, show. Yeah, you see, it's like this. Wait! Uh, huh? Do you mean to tell me that those two people are the whole show? You spend $300 on two people who refuse to go on with their acts? Well, I... Uh-huh. Won't go on? Why won't they, Mr. Dithers? How do I know? They won't tell me. All I know is they walked in and got one look at each other and the panic was on. 
They won't work on the same stage. They won't even speak to each other. Dadwood, what on earth? I don't know what it's all about. What did they say? I don't know. Sparko won't work if Helder Skelter sings, and yeah. Helder won't work unless Sparko uh, sparks. Yeah, uh, how's that again? Mr. Dither says that he will if she won't, but she won't if he don't. Oh, you mean he won't if she don't, but she will yeah. if he doesn't. No, yeah. no, it's like no. this. Uh. She won't if he can't, uh-huh. but he doesn't unless he... Mm-hmm. Well, now, now you got me doing it. Yeah, you must be a little confused, Mr. Dither. Oh, I am. Am I? Maybe you can straighten out this business, eh? If they've had some kind of a fight, we'd better take them one at a time. Listen, I'll go see Hilda Skelda, and you men go talk to Sparkle. Yeah, hmm? Sure. Oh, gosh. I've got to get the show started. I'll say you have, Bumstead, because if you don't, I'll never hold up my head in my own office again. And you, Bumstead, you'll... I, I know. I know. You see, Mr. I don't... Oh, what's that? That's the audience. Waiting for your mammoth vaudeville show. Uh We'll return to the Bumsteads in a moment, but first a word from the makers of Camel Cigarettes. You know, friends, when you get right down to it, You smokers yourselves are the final judges of cigarette quality. You're the ones who say, this is the cigarette that gives me what I want. And you probably know from your own observation that more smokers prefer camels than any other cigarette. Now that's easy to see. Slow-burning camels are the cigarette that gives you the extras. Extra mildness, extra coolness, extra flavor, and extra smoking per pack. Yes, I said extra smoking per pack. In recent impartial laboratory tests, camels burn 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest selling brands tested, slower than any of them. That means a smoking plus equal on the average to five extra smokes per pack. Just a minute, Mr. Goodwin. I'd like to say that camel cigarettes give me real smoking economy. I know. You see, where I live, we have an added state cigarette tax. I figure I save the cost of that tax through smoking camels. Yes, and for those of you who live where there are no added taxes, well, the savings are all yours. Friends, turn to slow-burning camels, the cigarette that gives you the extras. And now we return to Messrs. Dagwood and Dithers in the dressing room of Sparko the Great, alias Tony the Barber. Ah, listen, Sparko, we don't want the money back, see? We want a show. I've got to have a show. The mayor's out there looking at his watch, and that big crowd is all waiting to see you do your stuff. Oh, listen, where's your professional pride? Where's that show must go on, Spirit, eh? Your public wants you, Tony. Now, what do you say? Oh, it's no use. He just won't talk. Oh, wait, I think he's going to say something. Look. At last. Mr. Dithers. Yes, yes. I want to ask you one thing. Oh, sure, anything. What? Mr. Dithers, who give you that bad haircut, huh? Oh, I give up. Well, I don't. Now, listen, Tony, I mean Sparkle. You can't let me down like this. Think of all the times I've taken hair tonic I didn't want in your shop. And don't forget all those hot towels I don't like. If I can stand them just to set the other customers a good example, you might do a little fire-eating act for me just this once. I'm a most sad, Mr. Bumstep. You, you needn't need a whole lot of fire, just, uh, just a couple of lighted matches, huh? Mr. Bumstep, please, you don't understand. Oh. I think I tell you the whole business, no? Yeah. Yeah, but make it snappy. Uh, please. That's okay. Uh, listen, 
Once upon a time... Oh, it's a fairy story. Shh, go on, Sparko. Once upon a time, when I'm a big artist, uh-huh. I get it ambitious. Yeah, what did you get? Ambitious. Go on. Oh. I think I make it an act to great Sparko and a comb. Yeah, Sparko and company, yeah. So I hired this Helder Skelter in my act. Uh-huh. Oh, you hired her to sing in your act? No. I do not hire her to sing. Uh-huh. I hire her to hand me the stuff. All the time she's asking me to let her sing, and all the time I say no. This act, she is a fire-eat act, not a singing act. So, at once upon a time... Ah, oh, this is where I came in. Shh, Mr. Dillers. At once upon a time comes the end. Listen. In this act, I stand one side of the stage. Held the skelter stand the other side. She's holding this candle. You understand? Sure, sure. Get on with it. Okay. First, I eat four or five red-hot coals. Ah, it is beautiful to see me. Then I drink a little bit of gasoline. Oh, gosh. Then I blow this burning gasoline out of the candle and poof. And lit the candle, huh? Always I lighted the candle. Oh. Until one night. Yeah, what happened? One night, I eat the red hot coals. I drink the gasoline. I get ready for my poof. And this held the skull to open her mouth and give out with a high C. She sang? See, she sing. Me, I am a surprise. I choked the hot coal, I goggled the gasoline, I poofed it the wrong way, and I scorched the piccolo player. Oh, so that's why you don't like Helda Skelter. I love this woman. L- love her? She all the time, my love. I forgive her the high sea, but I cannot forgive the insult. She uh, insulted you, too. Uh, how? Uh, this I cannot speak, no. It is too much what she say. Ask her what she say to me in the hospital. You go ask her, Bump said. I'll stay here and keep working on Sparkle. Yeah, I'll go over to Helda's dressing room. Uh, maybe she's already told Blondie. Me, 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 me. An insult, he called it. He said this to me who loved him. Oh, but Madam Helda, um, Skelda, I mean. Call me Helda. We will be friends, no. Well, I hope so. Uh, perhaps he was just touchy because he was sick after swallowing that fire. He had broiled tonsils. Are you sure that just offering him a place in your act insulted him? Yes, he was so proud. His pride was greater than his love. But if he was too proud to join your act, couldn't you have gone back into his act? No, no, my dear. You see, that one high sea made my fortune. The manager asked me to sing a whole aria. It was a sensation. I was too well known to have hidden myself behind poor Tony Sparks. He knew it. He was jealous. Oh, isn't that a shame? Uh, You still love him, don't you? Oh, yes. You know how it is with women. We do not forget. That is why I want him to go on tonight. But you won't go on yourself. Come in. I will go on if he does. But he won't go on if you do. Oh, are you still doing that? Oh, gosh, it's all mixed up, Dagwood. It's kind of professional pride. Yeah, I know. I don't understand how two people who love each other... He, could... he said that he still cared for me. Sure. Oh, my poor Tony. Yeah. Hey, listen, how about me? I mean, gosh, I counted on you, Madam Helda. Dagwood may even lose his job over this. I am sorry for you, for myself who need the money. For Tony, who needs it too? Bumpstead, I'm Bumpstead. fix. What? I got around him. It costs 50 bucks extra, well, but I... he will do his act. Oh, then I am happy. I too will sing, no? Yes. If you'll go on first. Sparkle won't open the show. 
He says it's beneath his dignity. I do not mind. When they hear my voice, it is enough. Listen, I show you how I will sing. What happened? Gosh, what's wrong? Oh, too late. The excitement, it is bad for my voice. I cannot sing. Oh, dang, with that other time, she couldn't sing for weeks. Nerves. Yeah, but she's got to go on first. Or Sparker won't go on at all. Yeah, maybe we can straighten it out, huh? Go tell the audience the show will be delayed a little, Mr. Dither. Oh, I oh, just told sir. him it was going on right away. Now, get busy, Bumpstead. Yeah. Give her some nerve tonic. Give her a Danish massage. Uh, try your voice again. M- maybe it'll come back. Uh, I will try. Hey, what's this noise? Who's trying to sing? It's Madame Helda. No. She has the voice of gold. What I hear is at the crow. Her nerves have gone back on her. Her voice is gone. Helda, carissima mia, your voice is gone. My heart is a break for you. Oh, Tony, my Tony. Hey, I thought you didn't want her to sing. Not with me, but she's a great artiste. Her voice must be saved. Tony, hold me close. Ah, uh, see, carissima. There, there, my little bird, nesting in a Tony's arms, so... Do you understand this, Blondie? Yes, dear. They love each other, and they admire each other's art, but... Well, I told them they'd have to wait. Hey, what's happened? Huh? Have they made up? See, I have whispered to Helda, and she has agreed. We will do my act once more. Yes, I will help your act, Tony. Well, that's fine. Still, only one act. Hey! If you do have made up, maybe you could still get some of your old vulnerable friends to help out, huh? Yeah, sure. Take this list of names. Phone up. Call a Phil and Jocelyn first thing. Yeah. Phil Jocelyn? The great blackface comedian? Oh, boy. Wait till I tell the audience that. Hey, get on that phone, Bumstead. While I tell them. Okay, I'll call them up. Say, that Sparkle and company are together again. Oh, please. You mean Heldor and company. Please. It is my act. The great Sparko. And I am nobody, I suppose. Oh, well, I told them. <laughs> they applauded. Now, you see, Helda, my public is not forgotten. Then go to your public. Leave me. Leave me like an old shoe which has lost its tongue. No. I will not go on. Hey. Now I shall. Go tell the audience there'll be another little delay, Mr. Dithers. We've got to get the name of the act straightened out. Oh, they'll think I'm crazy. Listen, Madam Hilda, it is Sparko's act, and you, Sparko. Can't you be as generous as she was? She wouldn't go on unless you did. She wouldn't stand in your way. Oh, she has a great heart. See, I will be generous. The act shall be Sparko and Hilda. Hilda and Sparko. Hey, hey, Phil Joslin's coming and bringing a gang. He, he says it'll be great to see the Sparkos again. The Sparkos? <laughs> yeah. That's a nice name. Why don't you use that? Hilda, it is a good idea, no? Yes, I agree. Hilda. Tony. Ah. Kiss me. Well, I told the audience to wait, but they won't wait much longer. Hey, have they made up again? Yeah, look, Mr. Dithers, go tell the audience the show's going on and no fooling this time. I'll wait. I want these two to tell me themselves this time. Sure, we'll go on right away. Oh, Tony, I am so happy. I could sing for joy. Listen. Her voice is back again. Yeah, gee, that's swell. Say, now she can sing in Tony's act. Bumps head. Uh-huh. You keep out of it. Aha, now it begins again. Uh-huh. Her voice, always her voice. She will sing in the wrong place. Now listen. No, I quit. I'm through. Goodbye. 
Goodbye forever! Calvin! Hey, wait! Now listen to me, Sparko. And you too, Hilda. You both love each other, and both of you gave up your careers because of the other. And yet you fight over little things that can be settled so easily. You still think this thing can be settled? Of course it can. How, Blondie? Well, let each one of them do their own act. When Sparko does his act, Hilda will be his assistant and not sing. When Hilda does her act, Sparko will be her assistant and not spout fire. A good idea, Tony, no? See. Si. Tony. Hilda. Oh. Kiss me. Listen. The orchestra just came in. I want to tell him to play an overture. Are we really going to have this show? Yes. Good. Swell. But wait. Oh. oh. Uh, do not be nervous, my friend. It is only that we have one great finish for the show. And at the end, everybody's on the stage. Step on. Everybody's the sing. Yes, they will sing Shine Little Glove and Glimmer. And my Tony will be the glimmer. See, I am the glowworm. I shoot the sparks all over the place. Okay, but let's get started before we worry about the end. I'm going to bust the orchestra. Helda, carissima, dry those beautiful eyes. You must look your best. Yes, Tony. Are you sure you have plenty of kerosene, Tony? Well, Blondie, what? you did it again. Aw. I only hope it stays fixed till this show is over. Well, aren't you interested in what happens to them after the show day? Well, after the show, we all eat, honey. I mean, after tonight is all over. Do you think they'll get along from now on? Oh, sure. Fact is, I've got a great idea for them. A combination, barbershop and bakery, uh-huh. with a floor show of opera and fire eating. Huh? Oh, Dagwood, that's a cute idea. <laughs> and speaking of bakery shops and eating... Oh, Dagwood. Well, folks, in just a moment, we'll try and give you a brief synopsis of next week's episode. But first... Extra! Extra! Camels give you extra flavor. Extra! Camels give you extra mildness and extra coolness. Extra! Camels give you extra smoking per pack. Try Camels, the cigarette that gives you the extras. Camels bring you three other great shows each week. On Friday night, Camels bring you the Al Pierce program. And on Saturday, there's Luncheon at the Waldorf with Ilka Chase. You'll find it a new high in daytime entertainment. On Saturday night, tune in and hear Bob Crosby and Mildred Bailey featuring music with a heartbeat. Next Monday night, tune in Blondie again when Dagwood takes up the manly art of self-defense. Well, folks, that's a tip for your radio enjoyment. And for your smoking enjoyment, try Camels, the cigarette that gives you the extras. Blondie is played by Penny Singleton, Dagwood by Arthur Lake. Our Blondie Orchestra is directed by Billy Arts, who also creates the special musical effects. This is Bill Goodwin speaking for the makers of Camel Cigarettes. Good night, all. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Comic Weekly Man, 
the jolly comic weekly man and i'm here to read the funnies to you happy boys and honeys yes boys and girls it's comic weekly time and here i come right into your house to bring a little fun and happiness right out of the pages of puck the comic weekly straight into your living room your friend the comic weekly man the jolly comic weekly Well, little Miss Honey, how are you today? I'm just fine, thank you. And now it's your turn. I'm just fine, too, thank you. My turn for what? Your turn to hear a joke. You tell me jokes by reading the funnies, so I'll tell you a joke by telling you a joke. Very well. What is it? Well, this old lady walked into this hotel, see? Yes. And this old lady walks up to this clerk, see? Yes. And this old lady says to the clerk, Will you please give me a room with a bath? Yes. And the clerk says, I can give you a room. But you'll have to take your own bath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very, very good. Do you get it? Every Saturday night. Get what? My bath. Oh, <laughs> it's a very good joke. <laughs> I thought you'd like it. I just think it's so funny. I can give you a room, but you'll have to give yourself your own bath. <laughs> now will you please read me the funny? Buck the comic yes. weekly. Very well, I'll read that in just a moment. But before I do, let's listen to this nice man. Now here we go with Puck the Comic Weekly. And on the first page, under Bringing Up Father, Beetle Bailey. Magic words for the music, please. Very well, my lady. Toot me a toot and tweet me a tweedle. Squeeze out music for Bailey the Beetle. The army camp where Beetle is stationed. We're in the kitchen. And the captain is telling the cook, Hey, Cookie, I got a tip the general is coming to eat dinner with us and expect our mess hall. Oh, thanks, sir. I'll cook a special recipe. And five minutes later, the cook is carrying a kettle of stew to the stove. Oh, this'll be a work of art. First, a little dash of salt. Then in the door comes Beetle Bailey. Hey, here's the salt you wanted, Cookie. Beetle trips over a pig. Whoops! I'll watch out for you! And he drops the sack of salt into the stew. Now look what you've done. When it's only salt, Cookie, and only five pounds. Oh! The cook sets down his kettle, picks up a box of soap chips. Last picture top row throws it at Beetle. You stupid idiot! The soap hits Beetle, bounces off him into the stew. Hey, now look what you did! First picture, bottom row, the captain and the general walk in. Oh, my foot. Watch it, captain. Uh, sorry, sir. Uh, this visit is a nice surprise, general. The captain leads the general over to the table. Oh, uh, sorry, sir. Uh, Cookie, uh, give the general a dish of your stew. Oh, but captain... Now, oh, come, come, Cookie. Let's see what you're feeding the man. Uh, if you desist, General. I do desist. Uh, insist. The cook ladles out the dish full of stew and sets it in front of the General. The General takes a taste. Ah, wonderful. I must have this recipe. Whereupon the captain turns to the cook. Write it out for him. Hey, but, Captain. Write it. Every step, just as you did it. Uh, every step, 
Yes, Cookie, every step. I want my wife to try it tonight. At last picture, the general's at home in his kitchen and is reading the recipe to his wife, who is following the directions. Oh! After you trip and spill the salt, you'll drop in a box of soap chips. Soap chips? Yes, dear. Soap chips. And that's in order. Yeah, that's some recipe. Why, the poor wife, her knees will be all covered with bruises. Yeah, she'll have to do her cooking with pillows on her knees. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> well, Beetle Bailey is funny, so anything that we learn from Beetle Bailey has to be funny. Yes. Well, now let's turn over the page and go past little Iodine and Prince Valiant and turn over page three, and here on page four is Walt Disney's The Sword and the Rose. Oh, yes. And I'm anxious to see what's going to happen because, you remember, this is in the early days of England and Charles Bandon has rescued the Princess Mary, uh, who's the woman he loves, from that mean Duke of Buckingham, who's the man she hates. Yes, but the Duke of Buckingham has pursued them. And just as Charles Brandon and his friend Sir Edwin Caskerton had put Mary in a boat to row her out to a ship, the Duke galloped up on his horse and rode into the water and attacked Charles Brandon. And Charles Brandon is in the water way up to his waist. And the Duke had hit him in the back with his sword. I wonder what'll happen. Will Charles Bannon be killed? Well, let's read now and find out. Here we go with the sword and the rose. It's merry, merry England when knighthood was in flower. Music to bewitch our story hour. Brandon falls face forward into the water. Quickly, Buckingham dismounts to finish Brandon off. But Brandon is on his feet in a second. Sword in hand, he faces the Duke. Brandon parries the Duke's thrust and tries to work his way out of the water to shore, where he'll have surer footing. Last picture, top row. He makes a sudden lunge and knocks the dagger out of Buckingham's left hand. And then, first picture, bottom row, the two men are on shore. Brandon lunges at the Duke. Steadily, he drives the Duke back against the rocks. With the true skill of a born swordsman, he presses the duke harder and harder. And then a quick thrust. And his sword pierces Buckingham's right shoulder. Last picture. Brandon stands over the wounded duke and looks at him in contempt. I cannot be so merciful as to finish you. King Henry shall have that pleasure. Yes, he certainly knows how to handle that sword, doesn't yes, he? Yes, he does. Slice, slice, whish, slash, and Buckingham is beaten. Yes, just like that. Yes, just like that. Now will Princess Mary escape with Brandon and be married to him and live happily ever after? Well, maybe we'll find that out next week. But now let's look across the page. There's Roy Rogers. Oh, yes, and Roy's begun a new adventure. Yes, he met his friend Cube Root, who is quite an inventor. Yes, Cube took Roy to a barn where he has a laboratory, and he told him that he'd invented some silent explosives. That's right, TNT, an explosive so powerful that even a small amount of it can blow a building apart. But the difference is that this doesn't make any noise when it explodes. That's right, and just as Cube Root was telling Roy about the explosive... A masked man stepped into the door, gun in hand, and told Cube to hand the explosive over to him. Oh, I wonder what will happen. Will he shoot them or what? Well, let's read now and find out. Here we go with Roy Rogers, King of the Cowboys. Hi-yip-bye-oh. Now here we go with Roy and Trigger. Hi-yip-bye-oh. <laughs> 
masked man stands directly under a metal pulley, gun in hand. All right, I want some of that silent explosive that Cube Root invented. Quick. But, sir, QTNT is my most valuable discovery. I've only a small quantity of it made up. I said I'm in a hurry. Now move. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Roy, holding his hands up, sees that his left hand is beside the rope that holds the pulley up to the ceiling. Come on, move. Hurry it up. Quietly, Roy loosens the rope. I said hurry. Last picture, top row. The pulley drops from the ceiling under the crook's head. <laughs> A second later, Roy has the outlaw's arms pinned behind him. Goodness gracious, Roy. How very clever of you. First picture, bottom row. Cube rips the handkerchief off the man's face. Wasp Bascom. Why, Roy, he purchased some of my cattle tonic last week. That's when I told him about my noiseless explosive. Oh, you faker. Six of my steers died from taking that stuff. And I aim to get even. No, no, Bascom is mistaken, Roy. My tonic is harmless. And I'll prove it by drinking some. Hey, now, don't be foolish, Cube. Stop. But it's too late. Cube has swallowed the tonic. Great Scott, he drank it. Suddenly, Cube's face turns white. And he slowly sags to the floor. <sighs> hey, Cube. Cube. Roy goes to help Cube. Bascom picks up the keg of explosive and dashes out the door. Last picture. Roy whips out his guns and whirls around. No, no, Roy! Don't shoot! You hit the explosive, we'll be blown to bits. Oh, wasn't that too bad? Just when Roy had the outlaw captured, then Cube has to go do a silly thing like showing off and then get sick. Yes, and now Bascom is getting away with the TNT. I wonder if Roy will let him get away with it. Well, maybe we'll find out about that next week. But now let's turn over the page and see who's there. Oh, look, here's Flash Gordon, and he's gone all by himself to a strange planet to investigate. Yes, and while he was there, he met a strange hermit who seemed to befriend Flash. From the hermit's place, Flash could see a deserted city below. The hermit warned him that there would be danger there, but Flash said he was going down to investigate anyway. But as soon as Flash left, the hermit looked into the skies and said... Hear me, hear me. I'm warning you, the Earthman is coming. Now, I wonder what will happen, and does that mean danger for Flash? Well, let's read now and find out. Here we go with Flash Gordon. A rigga-digga-doon-doon, Saskimatash. Let's have music for Heroic Flash. Flash approaches the strange city. Well, here's the mystery city quiet enough. In fact, there's no one in sight. He moves toward the gate, when suddenly... Halt, stranger. Hey, what's that? Go no further. Flash stops, looks about. He sees no one there. He calls. I'm here on a peaceful mission. You can come into the open. Step Toward the gate for identification. Flash advances, last picture top row, through the gate. He stops in amazement. Hey, what's this? Walls coming up out of the ground. First picture bottom row, he spins around and makes a dash for the open gate. And then, another one. This looks like... Last picture, he turns to retreat. Now escape is blocked completely. A fourth wall, then a ceiling, slide into place. And Flash stands there, helpless. A trap. I'm 
trapped. Oh, that mean old hermit's gotten Flash into trouble. Yes, and he seemed to be so helpful to Flash. And now he's turned around and warned some mysterious person, and look what's happened. Sure, they knew Flash was coming, and they got him trapped. Imagine being locked up in a little room just like you're trapped in a box. That's awful. What'll happen? Well, we'll find out about that next week. But now it's time to pick up the second section of the Comic Weekly. Oh, and there's that funny Dagwood. Yeah. I wonder what funny, silly thing he'll do today. Well, I'll read that in just a moment. But first, here's that nice man again with something interesting to say. Now, here we go again with Puck the Comic Weekly. And on the first page of the second section, Dagwood and Blondie. Magic words for the music, please. Very well, my lady. Ram a food, am a fum, zim, zim, zombie. Conjure me music for Dagwood and Blondie. Down at the office, Dagwood is busy working. The office boy comes in. Hey, uh, Mr. Munstead, the boss just hung up a suggestion box on the hall. Hey, that's a splendid idea. And a few minutes later, the whole office staff is standing around the suggestion box. And Mr. Dithers makes a sweet little speech. Now... I want everybody to feel free to offer any suggestions that might be helpful to this office. Last picture top, everybody is working away at their jobs again. And then the door to Dagwood's office opens. And out comes Dagwood with a slip of paper in his hands. Straight to the suggestion box he goes. Drops his slip of paper into the suggestion box with a big smile on his face. I'll be the very first to use it. Half hour later, Dagwood is busy working at his desk. Suddenly, a voice roars through his desk speaker. Momstead! Come into my office! Dagwood pops out of his chair and goes into Mr. Dither's office. Mr. Dither, you sent for me? Ah, uh, yes, Dagwood, I did. Is this your suggestion that the office force be given two full summer months vacations like the school kids? Yes, sir, Mr. Dithers, that's mine. Ew! The last picture second row, Dithers leaps for Dagwood. No, Mr. Dithers, no, no, have mercy, have mercy. Mr. Dithers, please, please, this is a young man. First picture, third row, Dagwood tries to get up from the floor. But, Mr. Dithers, I... And Dithers knocks him down with a typewriter. Again, Dagwood tries to get up. I meant it only as a... And Dithers breaks the water cooler over him. Last picture, third row. Only as a gentle suggestion. First picture, bottom row. Dithers' door opens and out sails Dagwood. Now, Dagwood, although I don't agree with your first suggestion, I want you to feel free to offer others. Five minutes later, the door to Dagwood's office opens. Dagwood appears in the door. He's dizzy. One eye is black. His face is bruised. There are bumps on his head. His shirt is torn to pieces. He's aching all over. He staggers to the suggestion box. 
drops in a letter. Then staggers back to his office. Closes the door and is seen no more. Ten minutes later, Mr. Dithers is at the suggestion box. He sees the note therein, takes it out, reads it. Whose suggestion is this? Suggesting that the suggestion box be removed. <laughs> I'm afraid so. Looks like poor Dagwood's in for another storm. I hope Mr. Dithers doesn't beat him up again. So do I. But I wouldn't guarantee he doesn't. Oh, poor Dagwood. The strangest things happen to him. <laughs> yes, they certainly do. Well, now let's turn over the page and go past Snuffy Smith and the Lone Ranger on page three. Turn over page three... And here on page four of the second section is Dick's Adventures. And you remember, Dick is in the early days of America, and he's gone to the White House in Washington with his friend Samuel Morse. Yes, that's right. Samuel Morse has been commissioned to paint the president's portrait. But Mr. Morse didn't want to do it because he didn't believe he could paint well enough. But Dick told him he should go ahead, and so he did. I wonder if it turns out to be a good portrait. Well, let's read now and find out. Here we go with Dick's Adventures. Say the magic words with me. Rickety pack a zack a zick. Let's have music for adventurous Dick. Weeks go by, and finally Morse finishes the portrait of President Monroe. The time comes when it is shown to everyone. Last picture top row, Morse unveils it. Oh, that's wonderful, beautiful, a marvelous likeness. Everyone in Washington hails it as a masterpiece. But one old angry man looks at it and says, I disagree. This is no masterpiece. First picture, second row, the old man speaks up. I'm General John Trumbull, sir. You know my portraits of Washington, Hamilton, the Duke of Wellington, John Jay, and many others. I have a right to tell you, young man, that you'd make a better cobbler than an artist. Quietly, Morse nods, but Dick sees the black despair in his eyes. Suddenly, Morse lunges for his picture. He stops, stop, Mr. Morse. Hey, what are you going to do? What? I'm going to destroy it. I'll smash it to pieces. Oh, but you can't, sir. It's beautiful. Hey, now stop, sir. Stop. You have painted it. Let it stand. First picture, bottom row. The prompt action of Dick and John Trumbull saves the picture from destruction. The others leave the room. Morse stands quietly. He says to Dick, Art is long, Dick. If my pictures are no good, I'll destroy them. But I'll keep right on painting for the rest of my life. Hey, but wait a minute, Mr. Morse. Wait a minute. You've got to invent the telegraph. You've got to invent the telegraph. Last picture, Dick sits up in his bed. He sees he's in his own room in the world of today. And he says, Oh, gosh, I guess I was dreaming. Oh, I don't like that old man. After Mr. Morse worked so hard to paint a picture of the president, it wasn't nice of him to say it was no good. I agree with you, and he certainly shouldn't have said it in front of all those people. Well, I'm glad that Dick stopped Mr. Morse from destroying it. But I wonder what does Dick mean that Mr. Morse has to invent the telegraph? Well, maybe we'll find out more about that next week. 
And now look below Dick's adventures. There's Rusty Riley. Oh, and I'm anxious to read that, because you remember there was a theater coming near the Milestone Farm. That's right, and one of the actors in the company stole a very expensive string of pearls from a wealthy girl who was acting in the show. And when he stole the pearls, he was dressed up in Rusty's coat and cap. And so some of the people have told the detective that Rusty was the thief. And after interviewing Rusty, the detective feels sure that Rusty is innocent. And he's gone to the home of the wealthy girl. And she didn't want to have Rusty arrested, but her mother does. I wonder what will happen. Well, let's read now and find out. Here we go with Rusty Riley. Gallop and run till the road is dusty. Give us music for his horse and Rusty. At Tweedy's home, the girl is saying to her mother... Mother, think what you're doing. Having that boy Rusty arrested... Why, it could ruin his whole life. Stuff and nonsense, Tweedy. He's just a young gangster. I never approved of Quentin Miles taking him from the orphanage. The detective stands up, hat in hand. I have to admit the circumstantial evidence is pretty strong against him, ma'am, but, um... Well, I'll have another talk with him. Meanwhile, at the Milestone Farm, in the barn, Rusty walks into the tack room. Tex looks up and says, Hey, what's wrong, Rusty? You look as worried as a new bride baking biscuits. Oh, golly, Tex, I'm in a terrible lot of trouble. I think I'm going to be arrested. Last picture, top row, Tex stands up and grins. Hey, now, arrested? What did you do? Rob a bank or hold up a mail train? It's no joke, Tex. The police think I stole a pearl necklace from the lady at the theater. First picture, bottom row, Rusty tells Tex the whole story. You see, Tex, Mr. Baker, the detective, he says that an electrician and a stagehand saw me outside Miss Castle's dressing room just after 4 o'clock. But, gee, I was on my way home with Dawn at that time. Only I can't prove it. No, no, no. Don't let it get you down, partner. The truth is a mighty powerful thing to have on your side. I reckon I'll mosey over to that theater and ask a question or two. Well, I wish you'd take these costume bags, Tex. I won't be using it now, and and please bring back my jacket and my cap and pants. And a short time later, at the playhouse, Tex is finishing a conversation with Mr. Fidgley, the director of the company. Why, yes, Mr. Purdy, I saw Rusty start for home with a horse about 3.30. Of course, um, he could have come back. Well, um, thanks very much, Mr. Fidgley. I'll get his things. You see, they're in Mr. Grant's dressing room. Yes, right down there, that door there. Thanks very kindly, sir. Tex goes into the dressing room. He sees Rusty's jacket hanging up on the wall. Well, I'll be a lop-eared jackrabbit. A coat hanger. In all the time I've been at Milestone Farm, I never seen Rusty put that jacket of his'n on a coat hanger. At last picture, in a tavern in the town, two men are talking. It's Shorty, who has just handed the pearls to the gangster. Now, this morning squares me with Mick. These pearls are worth at least three or four grand. In a legit sale, Shorty. But these here oyster eggs is hot. We got a deal with a fence. Oh, I'm glad the Tex knows 
knows all about this and is trying to help us. So am I, because already Tex has discovered an interesting clue that Rusty never hangs his jacket on a hanger. But Shorty's given those pearls to another man already, and if they don't find the pearls on Shorty, will they be able to prove that Shorty was the thief? Well, that's something we'll have to wait until next week to find out. But now look across the page. There's Donald Duck. Oh, Donald Duck, good for a chuckle. Yes, sir. <laughs> we'll read your favorite favorite right now. Here we go with Donald Duck. Say the magic words with me. Squeeze jump, squeeze jump, squiddly chicka chack. Let's have music to better quack quack. It's early in the morning, and the alarm clock goes off. Yes, dear. Oh, oh, it's you. Well, up and at him. And a half hour later, Donald goes in to wake up the boys. He looks at the bed and sees Huey, Louie, and the dog, and Dewey. He reaches over, pulls out the dog, drops him on the floor. Scram, pooch. Oh, gee, Uncle Donald. I've told you boys a dozen times. Don't let that hound sleep with you. Why, gee, Uncle Donald, he likes a nice bed. Half hour later, Donald is heading for the shopping district. Last picture, top row. Poor little guy. Soft hearted. Just like me. First picture, bottom row. Donald is standing in front of a pet shop. He sees a beautiful dog bed in the window and a price tag which reads Deluxe dog bed. Only $30. And 15 minutes later. Donald pulls up in front of his house again. He lifts out the deluxe dog bed. If you know kids and dogs, you can solve any problem. And five minutes later, he's showing the deluxe dog bed to the boys. Well, how do you like it, boys? Cool. Absolutely cool. night, last picture, just before Donald goes to bed. He stops in the boys' room to see if they're sound asleep. And there in the dog's bed are Dewey, Louie, and Huey. And in the boys' bed lies the dog, dreaming of dog biscuits. And Donald goes... Wasn't that a good joke on Donald? Yes, it was. And he thought, if you understand kids and dogs, you could solve anything. Yeah, well, he solved this problem, but it didn't work out the way he thought. I should say not. This one turned out backwards. A lot of Donald's things turn out backwards, but I just love him. Yes, so do I. Well, now, that's all the time I have. But before I go, here's that nice fellow with some more interesting information. Well, honey, and all you boys and girls, I've got to go now. All right, Mr. Chronic Weekly Man, but I'll be waiting for you next week. Okay, that's a date, and a date with all you boys and girls. Be sure to meet me with our little friend, Miss Honey, next week when I read Puck the Comic Weekly. For I'm the Comic Weekly Man, the jolly Comic Weekly Man. I'll be back to read the funnies to you happy boys and honeys. Don't forget, boys and girls, see you all next week. Your friend, the Comic Weekly Man, 
the jolly comic weekly man. Relax, Archie. Relax. Yes, and you relax too, folks, if you can, because here he is again, right out of the pages of Archie Comics Magazine with all his gang, Archie Andrews! it's Friday evening as we look in on the Andrews' home in Riverdale, we find Archie has just come home with Jughead and is a little unhappy about something. I tell you, Jug, I gotta figure out a way to get that bottle of bubble bath soap. You don't look dirty to me. It's not for me, it's for Veronica. She's having a coming out party tonight and I gotta buy her a present. What's she coming out of? <laughs> Jug, I don't know how you can be that stupid and live. It's easy. Jug, Veronica is making her debut in Riverdale society tonight, and I want to buy that bubble bath soap we saw in the drugstore as a gift. Now, is that plain enough? Go ahead and buy it. I'm not stopping you. But I don't have the money, Jug. Reggie Mantle will probably bring some fancy gift, and how will I look? How? Embarrassed. I might just as well stay home. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jughead. Hello, Mr. Andrews. Hi, Dad. Oh, Dad, what I was wondering... What a day. What a day. Certainly good to be home. Dad, would you be kind Archie, enough to let me... do you know me... where my slippers are? In the hall closet, I think. Dad, I was wondering... It's going to be good to sit down and have a little peace and quiet. Dad, I wonder if you'd well, let me... Well, what is it? Dad, could you let me have some money? No. Now, where's your mother? But, Dad, I just got to have $2.98. Archie, I said no. Where is your mother? But, Dad, I just got to have it because Archie, I want to buy... Archie, for pity's sake, I said... All right, here is $3. Oh, gee whiz, Dad, thanks a lot. Don't mention it. <laughs> Keep the change. Oh, boy, Jug, I got it, I got it. Well, let me at that phone. Operator, Riverdale 411, please. Yes. Oh, boy, Jug, won't Veronica be happy when she sees that bubble bath? She likes all that fancy stuff. Uh, hello, Mr. Pringle? This is Archie Andrews. You know that bottle of liquid bubble bath soap you have on display? Yes, the pink stuff in the fancy bottles with the sign float on air with the scintillating essence of rare odors and be carried to dreamy wonderland in your bath reduced to two ninety-eight. Yes. Uh, well, send a bottle of that right over, would you? Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Archie, wouldn't it have been cheaper to buy Veronica a piece of soap? Don't be silly, Jug. She'll love this. 
I guess I'll show that Reggie Mantle that he's not the only one who can buy fancy gifts. Yeah. She was Jug. Do you think Reggie will buy her something fancier than that? Probably. Oh, fine. Hello, Archie. Hello, Jughead. Hello, Mrs. Andrews. Hi, Mom. Well, what are you doing, dear? Nothing. Archie, what are you so glum about? Me? <laughs> I'm not glum. Archie, do you feel all right? No, Mom, let's not go through that. Archie, I feel... stick out your tongue. But, Mom, I feel... Archie, stick out your tongue. No, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't have to stick it that far out. Uh-huh. Archie, just as I thought, you're run down. But, Mom, I feel fine. All the same, you go right upstairs and bring down the tonic. The tonic? Oh, gosh, Mom, not that. That tonic is the best thing in the world for you. Yes, I know, but... But, but... But what? It smells. Archie. Well, it does, Mom, just like rotten eggs. Archie, Mr. Pringle made that tonic from a special prescription, and it always does a world of good for you. But, Mom, I... Jughead, doesn't your mother make you take tonic when you're run down? Yes, ma'am. Well, doesn't it do your world of good? No, ma'am. It doesn't? Why not? I give it to my little sister when Mom's not looking. Jughead, you don't. Don't I? All right, Jughead, maybe you do. But, Archie, you still march right upstairs and bring that tonic down. Oh, gee whiz, what chances a fella got? Jug, you wait there. Okay. And, Jughead, would you take your feet off the couch, please? I'm sorry. Oh, now, who can that be? Hello? Oh, Mrs. Lodge, how are you? <laughs> oh, fine, thanks. Have I forgot... forgotten what? The party? What part... Oh, the party. <laughs> Why, no, Mrs. Lodge, of course I haven't forgotten the party. Why, I couldn't forget your party tonight. Of course not. Why, just today I remarked to Fred how he was looking forward to your party. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll be there. Goodbye. <sighs> oh, dear, I'd forgotten all about that party. Oh, Mom, I can't find that tonic anywhere. But, Archie, I know there's practically a full bottle in the medicine cabinet. Did you look there? Oh, yes, Mom. Well... <laughs> Did you look in the storage closet? Gee whiz, Mom, don't you think I know how to look for something? Not for tonic, you don't. Are you sure it's upstairs? Positive that it's not there, Mom, and besides, I feel much better now. Mom, let's forget the whole thing. Oh, no, you don't. I'll order some more right now. Operator, give me Riverdale 411, please. But, Mom, why go to all that trouble just for a Archie, little time? Archie, you need that tonic. Yeah, like a headache. Hello? Uh, Mr. Pringle, this is Mrs. Andrews. Uh-huh. You know that tonic you made up last spring for Archie? Uh-huh. Well, would you make up another bottle and send it over right away? All right, Mr. Pringle. Thanks a lot. Bye. Now, Archie, I'll... Oh, dear, now what? Pringle's drugstore. Uh, already? Got a package here for Betty Cooper. Oh, <laughs> well, they live next door. I know, but they're not home, and I left a note saying all packages should be left here. Oh, all right. Uh, just put it right there on the hall table where I won't forget it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, Archie, you better start dressing, dear. Dressing? Yes, dear, for the party. But can I go the way I am? Archie, you can't go to a party in a polo shirt and saddle shoes. <laughs> you left out my pants, Mom. <laughs> I'm wearing pants, you know. Yes, I know, dear. But you better go put on your tropical worsted. Oh, okay. Oh, wait there, Jug. I'll be right down. 
And wash first. Okay, I will. All right, all right, all right. Now, what's all the shouting about? Can't we ever have any quiet around here? Oh, Fred, when did you get home, dear? Oh, about five minutes ago, Mary, and I'm well, certainly as tired as I... Well, for pity's sake, go and I... get dressed. Dressed? Dressed? What for? The lodges are having their party tonight. Oh, good grief. I'm in no mood for parties tonight, Mary. I want to just sit here and read my paper. Fred, I, Mrs. I, Lodge called specially to remind us about it. But I... 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 Oh, all right. I suppose we have to go. We certainly do. Uh, Jughead, be careful of that lamp. I'll be upstairs if you want me, Fred. All right, Mary. You'll be upstairs. Parties. Parties. Why don't people leave people alone? Nobody enjoys giving a party. Nobody enjoys going to a party. I don't know why. And, and uh, uh, well, what are you grinning at? I'm not invited to the party. Well, you're lucky. Let's see, do I need a shave? Uh, I suppose so. No, I'm all out of hairdressing. You better order some. Operator, four one one, please. <laughs> no, hello, Pringle. Fred Andrews. What? Tired. How are you? Good. Listen, Pringle, send me a bottle of that hairdressing, will you? And and don't send me that greasy stuff you sent last time. Uh, all right, right away. Mm-hmm. Bye. Fred, aren't you dressed yet? Dre- Dressed? Why, Mary, it's only five seconds. Well, stop wasting me... time and get started. All dear. right, all right, Mary. I don't know what this world is coming to when a man can't even go home anymore. Oh, that must be the tonic for Archie. Package from Pringle's drugstore. Yes, I've been waiting for it. Uh, tell Mr. Pringle to put it on the bill, please. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, Jughead, I wish you wouldn't sit on the arm of that chair. I'm sorry. Archie! Yes, Mom? Come on down here. Mom, how can I get dressed if you keep calling me? Archie, your tonic just arrived. I want you to take it, dear. The tonic? Now? Yes, now. Uh, Jughead, would you get a spoon out of the kitchen, please? Yes, Mrs. Ann. But, Mom, this is no time to take tonic. And why not? Well, because... Well, that is... Well, there's a time and place for everything, and, well, this just isn't the time and place. It certainly is. But, Mom, you have no idea how much better I feel. I thought you didn't feel sick in the first place. I didn't, but I'm much better now. Here's a spoon, Mrs. Andrews. Benedict Arnold. Me? What did I do? Traitor. Now, Archie, that's quite enough. Now, just this one spoonful won't kill you. You never can tell. Those are awful big spoons. Archie, for pity's sake, I don't have time to argue now. Please take this, Tony. Gee whiz, okay. Uh, gee whiz. Gee whiz, Ma. Uh, do I... Gee whiz. But I... Get... Gee whiz, if I only... Gee whiz. Yes, Archie, gee whiz. Now take it. In cold blood? Just take it, just like that? Well, close your eyes if it'll help. It'll help more if you close your mouth, too. Jughead. I'm sorry. Gee whiz. Archie, don't say that again. Well, gee... Gosh. Archie, I'm getting impatient. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... Let me take it myself. Very well, here. Okay, Mom. I might as well get it over and done with. Yes. Ooh. 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 Wow. Ooh. Oh. Phew. <gasps> Gee, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Well, I told you so. Uh, Mary. 
Ray, do you like this bow tie with this suit? Oh, yes, dear. Now come upstairs, Archie, and put a clean shirt on. Yes, dear. Fine thing when a man can't even ask his own wife if she likes his tie without her giving him an... Well, what are you grinning at? I was just thinking of my father's ties. What about your father's ties? Does he tie them differently than I do? Yes. He just snaps his on. Oh, fine, <laughs> fine. Now, what in the world is keeping that delivery boy? Why, that druggist is the slower... Oh, what's this on the hall table? Hmm. Label says Pringles Drugstore. When did that get here? Oh, that will... Well, why that... doesn't anybody tell me these things? Here I've been waiting and waiting for my hairdressing, and it's been here all the while. But, Mr. Andrews... Gee whiz. Say, Jughead, do you like this tie with this suit? No. Me too. But I can't decide whether I don't like the suit with the tie or the tie with the suit. Now, who can that be at a time like this? Pringle Drugstore. Oh, boy, my bubble bath. Why? <laughs> no, not for me. For a friend of mine. I'll take it. Here you are. Thank you. She was. I almost forgot about this. Well, open it and let's see it. Okay, okay, don't rush me. Hey. She was. Now, who can that be? Hello, Archie. How are you all? <laughs> Veronica. Gosh, hiya, Veronica. Come on in, Veronica. Jug, it's Veronica. Yes, I could tell. Hi, Veronica. Hello, Jug. Archie, I just brought by to remind you about my party tonight. I'm uh, very anxious for you to be there, Archie. <laughs> In fact, I might say I'm looking forward to dancing with you. <laughs> you will be there, won't you, Archie? Hmm. <laughs> <sighs> Archie? Uh-huh. Oh, sure, sure, Veronica, I'll be there. I haven't forgotten at all. In fact, I, uh, uh, brought you a little remembrance for the occasion. Oh, did you, Archie? Is that it, that package? Well, uh, yes, but uh, I was going to give it to you later. Oh, what is it, Archie? Tell me, Archie, please. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I wanted it to be a surprise, Veronica, but since you put it that way, I suppose you might as well know now. Oh, yes, I can't stand the suspense. Well, it's, uh... Well, that is... Well, <laughs> it's bubble bath. <laughs> Jug, be quiet. Here, Veronica. Oh, Archie, for me, how sweet. Thank you. She wins. I'll go home and use it right now. Thanks ever so much, Archie. Bye, Jug. So long. She, she kissed me. Yeah, and snap out of it. She was what a girl. Oh, brother. And did you hear what she said, Jug? Did you hear? What? She's gonna take a bath. <laughs> Archie, people do that all the time. Well, yeah, Jug, but not with my bubble bath. Gee, I can hardly wait to see how Veronica smells tonight. Oh, fine. She was what a girl. What a girl. She's so glamorous. She 
She makes my head buzz. Archie, that's the front door. Huh? Oh, yeah, I'll get it. Hello, Archie. Oh, hi, Betty. Uh, Archie, I wondered... Oh, hi, Jug. Hi, Betty. Archie, uh, was a package left here for me? Gee, what a girl. What did you say, Archie? Hmm? Oh, n nothing, Betty. <laughs> Not a thing. Oh, I thought you said... Oh, well, doesn't matter. Say, Archie, was a package left here for... <gasps> Archie! Is that lipstick on your face? L lipstick? Yes. <laughs> on my face? Yes, on your face. <laughs> right now? Yes, Archie, right now. Uh, uh, are you sure? Archie Andrews, I thought I saw Veronica leave here. It was Veronica, wasn't it? Uh, Veronica? Veronica Lodge? Archie, I'm not going through all that again. Oh, I might have known you'd let that old Veronica kiss you. Well... I don't care who kisses you, Mr. Andrews. Oh, but Betty, gee whiz, I, I mean, wait, I, I mean, what was in that package you were expecting? Oh, glue, if it makes any difference. Goodbye. Gee whiz, Jug, now what did I do, huh? I don't know. Did Veronica really leave lipstick on my face? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Gee whiz. <sighs> Your hair looks fine. Now get your hat or we'll be late. Archie, you ready to leave? Yes, Mom. Uh, Archie, what's the matter with you? Me, Mom? Not a thing. Archie, maybe you should have some more of that tonic. <clears throat> now, Mom, let's not go through that again. Gee whiz, you don't want to be late for the party, do you? Now, Archie, remember your manners. Yes, Mom. And please don't spend all evening with Veronica. Uh, yes, ma'am. And say the food is good. Gee whiz, Mom, I'm not a kid. I know it, but when we had dinner at the Hendersons, you didn't have to say the chicken died of old age. Well, I thought Your that I... mother is right, son. And Fred, you mind your manners, too. Yes, I certainly will do... Manners? What's wrong with my manners? I mean, after all, dear, yes, talking Fred, to me... Yes, Fred, I know. Now ring the bell, dear. Yeah, I know, but uh, Mary, you think I was, was a child. It's very bad in front of you. Ah, uh, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. Andrews and Master Andrews. Good evening. Oh, good Hello, evening, Edwards. Edwards. Archie? <laughs> Hi, Eddie. What's cooking? Archie. Huh? May I take your hat, Mr. Andrews? Oh, I'm Mr. and Mrs. Andrews and Archie. <laughs> How are you, Monica? <laughs> My, you're looking lovely tonight, dear. May I take your hat, Mr. Andrews? Hello, Veronica. <laughs> Hello, Archie. My, what a lovely tie. Do you like it? May I take your hat, sir? Oh, yes, lovely. Archie, do you have a cold? Uh, no, Veronica, it's just that I smell rotten eggs. Why? Archie, for pity's sake. Well, I do, Mom. It smells just like that. Gee whiz, Veronica, you don't smell like I thought you would. Archie, really? I mean, after all... Well, I'd better go see how my other guests are doing. Oh, but, Veronica, wait, you don't understand. Veronica, I can explain. Archie, for pity's sake. But, Veronica, you just don't understand. I understand perfectly. May I please take your hat, sir? Fred, sakes alive, give Edwards your hat. Mary, don't you think I would if I could? Honest, Veronica, what I meant is... <laughs> Excuse me. My goodness. Fred, why are you tugging at your hat? Because it is stuck to the top of my head. That's why. Uh, oh, but Fred... <laughs> Archie, for pity's sake, stop hiccuping. Fred, how could your hat possibly be stuck to... Fred, where are you going? Home, that's where. I can't go to a party with my hat glued to my head. 
You see, Veronica, what I... Archie, please. Fred, you can't leave. Mary, I certainly can. And besides, if you ask me, Veronica does smell of rotten eggs. Mrs. Andrews, maybe you'd better stay and see what's wrong with Archie. Archie? Gee whiz, there's nothing wrong with me. Veronica, it's only the hiccups, you know. People get hiccups practically every, every day. Yes, I know. But this is the first time I ever saw anyone hiccup and blow bubbles at the same time. Archie, I'll have the doctor in just a minute, dear. You just sit there and try not to hiccup. I am, Mom, but what do you think Veronica thought of me? Never mind that. Uh, hello, Dr. Higgins. Uh, this is Mrs. Andrews. Uh, yes, uh, Doctor, the strangest thing, Archie's hiccuping. I, I know, but he's blowing bubbles at the same time. No, I feel fine, Doctor. Yeah, but Archie's hiccuping soap bubbles. Y yes, really. What? You will? All right, fine. Goodbye. <coughs> what did he say, Mom? The doctor's calling Mr. Pringle to make up a special prescription for you, and you're to go right down there and get it, dear. Okay, Mom, I better hurry. This is killing me. <sighs> I never in all my Mary, born days... is that you? Oh, yes, dear, we just got home. For pity's sake, are you still wearing that hat? Mary, not by choice, I assure you. I've been looking in the mirror trying to cut it off with the scissors. But I keep snipping my ear. Fred, I know exactly what the trouble is. Yes? That hat is glued to your head. Mary, that's a brilliant deduction. <laughs> brilliant! Gee whiz, Archie, what are you doing downtown? I thought you were at the party. Boy, am I glad I ran into you, Juggy. Gee whiz, Archie. You're blowing bubbles. I know it, Chug. I know it. Mr. Pringle is making something to stop this right away. Stop it? She was. I know a lot of people who wish they could do that. Chug, don't argue it. I bet a circus would pay you a lot of money. Chug, for gosh sake, go on into the drugstore and get that medicine. Why me? Because I can't go in there blowing bubbles. Well, okay. I'll wait here and for gosh sake, hurry! Hi, Tommy. Is Mr. Pringle in? Hi, Jug. Yeah, Mr. Pringle's in the back room making up a special prescription for those Andrews. Gee, that's what I came in for. Oh, swell. You'll save me a trip out there. They've been calling all night. Yeah. Should be ready in a minute. I'll, I'll go look. Okay. Hey, you mind if I look through this movie magazine? Oh, go right ahead. Thanks. Hmm. 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 Here you are, Jug, offset. Thanks. Gee, Tommy, you know that Betty Grable has some swimming pool. Yeah. But you, had a, you better hurry with this prescription. Mr. Pringle says they need it right away, and it's, it's just the thing. Okay. Uh, should I put it on the Andrews bill? Yeah, and uh, put this movie magazine on their bill, too. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> she was Archie. What's all the crowd? Never mind. <laughs> Did you get the stuff? Yeah. He said it's just what you need. Okay, then let's get out of here. But I want to see what the crowd is looking at. Jughead, the crowd is watching me. Gee whiz, haven't they ever seen anyone blow bubbles before? Yes, Jug, but not without a bubble pipe. Now, come on! <laughs> oh, 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 Mary, that, that 
water is hot. Ooh. I know it's hot, dear, but it's the only way to get that hat off. Oh, all right, but you, you don't have to boil it off. Oh, Mary, for gosh sake. <laughs> well, I think the glue's all dissolved now, dear. Uh, so is my head. Well, uh, try to pull the hat again. All right. <laughs> oh, you did it, Fred. Oh. It's off. Ah, yes, finally. Mary, did it take all my hair with it? Well, let's see. Oh, no, dear, but your hair's a little messy. Well, I'm not worried about that. At least I don't have to wear that hat the rest of my life. Well, I still don't understand how it happened. Yes, Mary, there are a lot of things that happen around here tonight that I'll never understand. You see, Jug, it worked already. I'm all better. Gee, I guess so. Archie, is that you? Oh, yes, Dad. <gasps> Gee, what? What happened to your hair? Well, my hat got stuck... At... Never mind that now. Just what happened to you at the party? Gee, I don't know, Dad. I started hiccuping, and every time I hicked, I blew bubbles. Bubbles? Bubbles? Oh, good grief. Now, look. There are just a few things around here that need explaining. The glue in my hair, the, 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 the bubbles, Veronica smelling like rotten eggs, and, and, well, there's only one way we'll ever get to the bottom of this. Now... Everyone say exactly what they ordered from Pringle's Drugstore. Archie? Well, I ordered some bubble bath for Veronica. And I ordered the health tonic for Archie. And I ordered the hairdressing for myself. Well, <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> we are? Of course, it's as plain as can be. <laughs> when your tonic came, I thought that... Uh, that uh, it. Uh... No, that's not right. Let's see... Oh, when my hairdressing came, Mary, you thought, naturally, that it was, uh, the hair... Uh, <laughs> that doesn't seem to be right either, yes. When the glue came, the glue. Say, who ordered that glue? Glue? Oh, gee, Betty did, and had it delivered here. Oh, and I forgot to tell her it was here. Aha, uh -huh, now we're getting someplace. Now, just who handed me that glue? You took it yourself, Mr. Andrews. Jug, keep out of this. Come on now, confess. Who had... Uh, myself. Uh, you, you mean I... Uh, oh, I... Uh, <laughs> the bottle on the hall table. <laughs> Was that glue? Yes, dear. Evidently, you have no one to blame but yourself. Mm. Oh, yes, but who gave me the bubble bath? I did, but you didn't tell me you'd ordered it. I thought it was the tonic, and dear. And how did Veronica get the tonic? Well, she got here before I had a chance to open the package, and I gave it to her thinking it was bubble bath. Well, then it's her own fault. Well, then, evidently, nobody is to blame. Of course not. Gee whiz. Well, at any rate, we have that little mystery straightened out. I still don't know how it ever happened. That is beside the point, Mary. The main thing is to see that it does not happen again. Now, I hope we've all learned our lessons. I hope we've learned that everyone should let everyone else know what everyone else has ordered whenever everyone has... Uh, well, you get the point. Uh, yes, Dad. Oh, I'll, I'll get, get it. it! Just a minute. I'll get it. We've had enough trouble for one night. Pringles Drugstore, here's that medicine. Medicine, but I didn't oh, order good. any Oh, good, we've been waiting for that medicine. Medicine? Medicine? Then... What was it I just took? And what happened to my order? Your order? Fred, what did you order? Well, I called Pringle to send me some shampoo to get this glue out of my hair, and he said... Shampoo! Shampoo! Archie, now, Mary, for gosh sakes, that boy is blowing bubbles again. <laughs> Thank you.
been listening to another chapter of The Adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Jampel and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics magazine. Archie is played by Bob Hastings, Jughead by Harlan Stone. Others in the cast include Alice Yerman, Ian Martin, Gloria Mann, and Rosemary Rice. Felix McGuire at the organ. Production was under the direction of Charles Urquhart. And now back to the Andrews. More toast, Archie? Yes, please, Mom. Gee, that was quite a mix-up last night, wasn't it? Yes, it was, dear. And you know, after I got into bed, one thing kept puzzling me. Uh, what was that, Mom? Whatever became of that first bottle of tonic. I'm sure we had some in the house. Oh, that. Well, 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 well. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning. Oh, what are you so gay about this morning, Fred? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I always feel good after I wash and shave. That aftershave lotion does it, I think. Perks a man up. <laughs> yes, dear. Well, sit down and have you... Fred. Yes, dear? You smell like rotten eggs. Rotten eggs? Oh, now, don't be silly, dear. How could I possibly smell of... <laughs> I do, don't I? Archie, come back here. Listen next week for more of the merry adventures of Archie Andrews. Friends, if you'd like to see our show, just write to Archie Andrews, NBC, Radio City 20, New York City. That's Archie Andrews, NBC, Radio City 20, New York City. Or if you live nearby and are in the neighborhood some Saturday morning, you may obtain tickets right at the studio. Just ask to see Archie Andrews. And now this is Bob Sherry wishing you a very pleasant weekend. So long! This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Make First Trade your first choice when it comes to investing. I've been using First Trade for years, and I love the fact that you free yourself from commissions with $0 online trades, and there's no hidden fees. You get a full suite of products. You can trade stocks, ETFs, options, fixed income, and over 11,000 mutual funds. And here's the part I like best. I can trade on the go. Seize opportunity no matter where you are with First Trade's Android and iPhone mobile apps. So keep those commissions in your wallet and maximize your gains by making First Trade your first choice for investing. Make First Trade your first choice. Sign up at krobcollection.com. First Trade, member FINRA SIPC. From the K-Rob Collection, this has been Audio Antiques, a program featuring shows from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson, and our email address is audioantiques at hkrmail.com. Our music is by hbeats at hbeats330 at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and feel free to subscribe to Audio Antiques from the K-Rob Collection.